Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today. I hope each and every single one of you are having a fantastic day, night, morning. Whenever you're listening to this, I appreciate you giving me some of your time today. Welcome to episode 246 of the Ham Radio Podcast. It is just myself this week. I decided to give Carrick, my co-host, the week off because this episode in particular, I wanted to sit down and directly talk with the audience uh, this last week in my personal life. It's been pretty rough, and so I just wanted to sit down and talk to you guys because I've been a little absent on social media. I haven't been as interactive in the patron discord, so I wanted to just chat with you guys about some things, and then we'll get into our typical role here on the podcast, talking about what we're playing, uh, some of the gaming news that's come up this week. It's been really interesting to see how the industry is developing during this pretty tough time. I hope each and every single one of you are also staying safe out there. I should have said that in the beginning, too. Uh, But anyway... Yeah, this week, like I said, has been tough. It's been a tough time for all of us, of course. All of our lives have been impacted in one way or another. But um, yeah, this week, ladies and gentlemen, I I did lose my Mimi. Uh, She is my grandmother. Uh, She's lived around the corner from my house for my entire life. I have known nothing else. She has been a complete mainstay in my life and one of the biggest, most positive influences I could ever ask for. And normally, as a, a motor mouth, someone who talks for a living... I've always got something to say, but this was one of the rare times I just took some peace and quiet in and didn't talk and, and didn't make a video talking about what's happening and trying to communicate with my audience. I took a couple of days, I took a breather and just absorbed the loss and um, thought over things and did my mourning and all that. And it was a tough time. It's It's one of the closest people I'll ever have in my life who's now no longer there. And so I just wanted to make sure people know uh, sometimes I was a little more, I'm not interactive in the comments all too frequently because it can get just toxic in general with the nature of YouTube. But sometimes I did just without hesitation, clap some people because I couldn't help myself. It was definitely a stress reliever, but I, uh, I don't take pride in doing that. I don't like being that YouTuber who like screenshots a dumb comment and, posted on Twitter, which I still didn't do, but I'm saying in general, I just don't like putting people on blast like that. Uh, cause I know what it feels like to be put on blast and it's definitely an uncomfortable feeling. Um, but I don't take pride in just, you know, completely slam dunking on folks. And, uh, I more certainly, um, pride myself on my connection, my interaction with you all, whether it be, um, on Twitter or Instagram. I like doing that. Um, I enjoy it. It's not really a negative aspect of my life. Um, but I, I, I stepped away and it was nice. I got some healing time in, um, but I know my Mimi and I know some people may just without hesitation be like, Matt, take some days off, Matt, you know, take care of yourself. I'm okay. And my work absolutely keeps me sane. It keeps me healthier, keeps me happier. Um, and it, it gives me something to focus on. Um, it's, it's been a long time coming. It's something that I was aware of that was, um, heading our way. Um, her health had been declining for a number of months and, um, for about the last year and a half or so, um, my life has been running around that, uh, 
she she could not like for example walk to the bathroom by herself so um every hour or so even when i was working um which i don't know if anyone noticed uh, there were sometimes points in videos where I, I missed like an audio drop off or the music was too loud um these were times where i was trying to run from my house to her house and essentially my family was balancing two homes at the same time because we couldn't afford uh, full-time care for her and so um we were pretty much like feeding her helping her go to the bathroom or i'm sorry i should say get to the bathroom um and so my mom would have to work um and so like i would have to handle it during the day and then when she came home my work day would really start at like three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon and it was really tough to balance but eventually I, I moved my upload schedule around now you guys know i pretty consistently upload at seven at night which ended up being a positive thing more people started tuning in when i started doing that uh but there were things that got pushed out like streaming i just couldn't act like i was a uh, really in a happy place or uh feel good streaming or or even have leisure time to myself uh, streaming just sort of cramped it up so um i felt like now with everything being said and done some folks could get some answers that maybe weren't there initially um, or maybe confused you or thought it was like an out of place move by me. Like, you know, I, I edit all my videos for me to completely miss uh, music being blaringly loud. Like that just says a lot about how sometimes I was in a rush to get things done. Uh, part of it was my own fault, right? Like I, I didn't have to upload every single day, but like I said, my work is my pride. I'm, I'm proud of what I've built here. I want to continue to build here and, in other places and, and do other things. But yeah, I just wanted to let you guys know what my, my life's kind of been like for the last year and a half directly. And uh, that, that's sort of why I told character just, if you wouldn't mind stepping down for this week. So I could speak directly and um, just, just talk to pretty much you guys one-on-one. -on -one. I like to do this uh, if I'm able to, hopefully in the future it can be a more positive reasoning, but I just thought that this was a good place to address it. Sometimes in the past, for those of you who've been longtime fans, like when I went through like a really rough breakup, like I made a video just kind of talking out my feelings. I wasn't like talking shit or anything, but I was just talking about how I felt like I was in a rut and I just don't want to be that anymore. You know, I haven't been like, you know, when there's an issue in my life talking about in a video, because part of it was coping. Um, but you guys are here for entertainment, uh, content, games discussion uh you know i'm not your therapist you're not my therapist you know how it works and so um i think it's only fair and um you know i received a lot of messages a lot of people reached out because i did tweet like tonight's really sad like i just appreciate some good vibes um i didn't want to make the announcement i didn't want to draw a ton of attention i just really wanted to just tell people like hey i'm hurting a little bit and you know people were sending me funny videos and stuff i had a ton of friends reach out it was it was pretty ridiculous um because a lot of my my personal friends were aware of my situation and what i was handling and uh it was tough and so they were like immediately on it and kind of knew um and it's like i didn't i felt weird if i had to like individually text everyone like hey meet me past hey meet me past it was just like i felt like i was kind of going for attention where i just was like you know let me just put out a tweet and uh, just let people know I'm in a sad place, not a dark place. I'm just in a sad place. Uh, and it became exponentially harder uh, because before all this, she was in the hospital. We know that this virus has been going around. Um, we thought she was going to pass in the hospital and it was really scary because it was like, we can't even go say goodbye to her. We can't, can't go talk to her, see what's up. And uh, that was the toughest part of it all. Cause then she came home and she was just kind of out of it. Um, she, she came back every now and then uh, one time she did come back and ask for my, brother and I and we sprinted over and pretty much had our last conversation with her and um you know it's just 
it's just insane how it all went down. Um, what felt like one of the longest periods of my life. It was, it was actually really quick, but I'll, you know, I don't want to focus too much on the sadness cause I do know who she is. Uh, she is just one of the best people I've ever met. And, um, I just, I couldn't ask for a better grandmother. So to those of you who just gave me some of your time today to hear what I had to say in this introduction before we get into our standard podcast, thank you. Genuinely. Thank you. Uh, you guys giving me purpose to create listening to me. Um, I just can't put into words the peace of mind that brought me, you know, if I were, and this is no disrespect to anyone, but if I were working at like a grocery store or whatever, and this whole situation was going on, I would have lost my mind. I really would have. And it was really stressful, intense. I don't want to act like (laughs) it was okay. It was, it was really not, it was not like a healthy way of living, but we had no choice. It's not like I come from a family with a lot of money. Um, so it was, it was tough, but, um, you know, we, you know, I tried to like offer to help my parents financially, but they're like, no, no, like we're not going to have our kid help us. But, um, I get that. I understand that kind of a pride thing, but yeah, man. Anyway, that's enough of that. Let's get into our standard podcast. We hope you're all doing well once more now that, uh, that part's out of the way. Let's talk about what we're playing. So for me, I have been playing a lot of different games. Uh, Like I said, it's been a tough week, so I've just been sinking myself into tons of games, and it's been a real big healer. It's been a nice distraction, and uh, with all this ample free time, it's it's kind of just been my go-to. It's either I exercise or I end up playing a ton of games in this spare time. There's no sports to watch. Uh, There's no friends to go hang out with. My girlfriend and I made the mature decision that we're not going to see each other for the foreseeable future. Um, just because her parents are, are around the city a lot in New York City. And so um, we just, you know, we we can't with them in contact with what is essentially the epicenter. Um, we just, we can't risk it because then I could come up with something and give it to my family. So we just sadly on our two month or two year anniversary had to make that decision. Uh, so it's been either FaceTiming or calling on the phone. And when it's not that it's workouts or tons of games so for me i've been playing uh, persona 5 royal i have 11 hours in it i just finished the first palace i definitely would have had a lot more hours in this game but something happened in the review copy pipeline i was promised a copy two weeks ahead of time uh when the embargo had lifted i think it was like march 16th i was promised a copy and then sega ended up taking over handling review copies and from that point i just became a name on the list like i was working directly with someone who was hosting the event that uh, i got sick and i couldn't go to but uh, someone was hosting a, a persona 5 royal preview event and i was working with them and they said if you can't make it we're going to get you a review copy don't worry um, they ended up losing the, the the distribution of the review copies and sega handled it and and when i contacted three times via email uh, no response came through until uh, the person who was, I guess you could say, representing me stepped in. And by that point, it was like the day before launch day and I had already bought the game. So uh, unfortunately, I didn't get as much time as I could have had on it. Also, I was reviewing Doom Eternal and I was just you know, doing what any creator does, which is, OK, you're not going to give me a copy or something happened in the pipeline. I'm going to just go do other games and not wait on them. That's a mistake I've made in the past. I used to wait on a lot of companies to hand me games when I'm just like, you know what? I'm the creator here. I've got to try my best to make my own success and make fun content for my viewers. How can I do that with the means I have at hand? Not waiting for you know, people to help me out essentially. Uh, so yeah, I have 11 hours in persona five Royal. I've really, really liked what's there at first. I was kind of disappointed. Like the first few hours, I'm like, I'm playing persona five, you know, that's the thing I'm playing persona five, uh, which 
for those of you who are familiar with Persona 4 Golden, it's sort of a similar situation, except Royal really, after you get deep into that first palace, kicks it up with some of the quality of life improvements. I actually have a list. Um, I wrote it down while I was playing the game. It was across my room, so I had to go up and get it. And uh, I just wrote down some of the new things that have changed in here. I don't even know if I'll do a video on this. I just like to write things down, I guess, um, which sounds weird in practice, but I just it helps me remember, I guess. Um, but disaster shadows are a new thing. So essentially what happens is uh, if, you, if you kill this, this disaster shadow, it will explode and do tons of damage to nearby shadows, which are the enemies you're fighting. Um, but if you don't kill them or you miss your attack, these are like counterattack shadows. So they won't bother you. But if you miss or you don't kill them, they are going to hit you back twice as hard. So there's that give and take there. you got to make sure you target their weakness and destroy them as soon as possible. Um, there's new boss mechanics. So I was fighting uh, Kamoshida's uh, palace ruler, and I won't spoil it, but there was this one part. I was like, oh my god, like this is a whole new mechanic, and it changed the whole dynamic of the boss fight and how you had to approach it. Uh, it was this whole new target you had to take down, and, and it, it fit the story. It made you hate him even more. Uh, by the way, Kamoshida, easily like a top 10 hate, most hateable villain of all time. Like, oh my God, can't stand this guy. I'll just let you guys play the game for yourself. Still, Persona 5 has one of the most dark, intense um, ten hour, first 10 hours I've seen in a game. It's They touch on physical abuse and, uh, you know, I, actually, I don't even want to touch on the themes too hard because it is very much uh, a discovery thing. So we'll just leave it at the abuse part. Grapple hooks have been added into the dungeons. Uh, so now you can you can have a lot more verticality in this game. It also makes uh, Joker's up B and smash make a, a little more sense outside of just aesthetics. Uh, less Morgana. You know, she got nerfed finally, or he got nerfed. Sorry, I forget the actress is the one who voiced him. Um, but anyway, yeah, Morgana got nerfed. So after dungeons you can still or i'm sorry i got i keep saying dungeons because i'm used to persona 4 palaces after palaces you can go into uh leblanc which is like the the place that you're staying and you can do like studying you can do a crossword puzzle uh, you can read a book you can watch a dvd you can play a game so some of the extras content that put a lot of pressure on you to make these day-to-day choices are now available to you at the right time and it's like thank you morgana thank you for not stopping me every step of the way i really appreciate it and this is more apparent in the early game because later on it's like okay in the evenings you can go out like eventually sojiro says you can leave and that's good but when it stands in the early game it's been vastly improved um there were like little quality of life changes like haru kind of randomly appears later on in the game and you're like where did you come from uh but you actually see her in the school you see makoto walking around the school um so there are uh things like that too which i think are great their quality of life improvements so there's a sense of continuity a familiarity within the entire group on the whole situation, like they've been subliminally all going through it together without really knowing it. Um, there are will seeds also in the palaces now, and these will seeds will recover SP when you find them. And when you get all of them together, um, they create this accessory, even a solo podcast we can't do without the dog barking. Anyway, uh, these will seeds will combine and they'll create an accessory unique to that palace. And you can turn them into mementos and uh, mementos will allow you to change it into this very busted item apparently i haven't gotten that far yet that's also why i haven't made a video on persona 5 royal there's just too many changes and, and improvements deeper in the game in such a long game that I, I you have to wait to really see it um 
the dungeons themselves have been expanded because of some of these mechanics, like will seeds um, are, are in these completely separate rooms. The grapple hook adds verticality, so there's more rooms to explore above you. That type of stuff makes these places bigger, which is good. Um, there's improved shadow interrogation. At first, it was really vague. It was like one of the negative parts of the game, in my opinion, because you could... When you kill a shadow, interrogate them, have them remember themselves, and they become a part of your personality, aka a persona that you can use to um, like fight other enemies. And it was nice, um, and but it was hard to identify like if they were gloomy or upbeat or whatever. And so you had to match that persona. Now Morgana chips in and tells you what their personality is, and you make choices in the conversation to kind of uh, compliment them and help them remember themselves. Uh, lastly, what I've got so far, at least, and there's definitely more, is challenge battles. Challenge battles in Persona 5 Royal are available in the Velvet Room. And what these do is allow you to take on, if you have the DLC for uh, Royal, you can like fight Yunarakami from Persona 4. You can fight Makoto from, uh, I think Makoto Yuki is his name. I'm not 100% sure, but you can fight Makoto from Persona 3. And uh, it has like all the music from that game and stuff, and it's fully voiced. But you can also just fight in an arcade style, like other shadows and get rewards for them. So there's bonus content like that. So that's been the last 11 hours of my playtime. Sorry, these solo podcasts. I just have to, I have to pause and drink, you know, but uh, that's been the last 11 hours of my playtime. Before that was Doom Eternal. I put about 20 hours in total into that game. Um, Really, really really like that game more than i ever expected i liked doom 2016 i think it's one of bethesda's best games they've published and it's one of their best games um and making that review just showed me too like i was reading some of the comments like when i complimented bethesda's publishing department because i said it's been since 2017 that bethesda i said published a good game like prey Uh, a lot of people thought like i think a lot of people still don't know the difference between bethesda softworks and game studios um but yeah, it did a fantastic job with this game as someone who wasn't like a diehard fan of 2016, but did just enjoy it, but felt the pacing wasn't that good and that fell off. Um, I was really, really happy with Eternal. And I've seen more people contributing on my side of the discussion that I've been saying when it comes to Doom 2016, now that Eternal's out and it's so good that it's like, wow, wait, this is what we wanted. Um, some folks have been saying, oh man, it's, it's just an upgraded version of 2016. They didn't do much. And I guess I kind of get that, but it's just such subtle things put into the gameplay, like air dashes and not being glued to the ground, double jumps and the arsenal coming at you a little bit quicker and breakups in the pacing, like with the cutscenes and and platforming that make it so freaking better. And then there's things like level design, which you can't just say like this level here and this arena is particularly why the game is good. It's just consistently great level design that makes these shooting fests so, so enjoyable. And so that's why some people you're going to see say, oh, it's just Doom 2016 2.0. And it's like, well, technically, yeah, but there's so much that happened underneath the hood that made this game way better. Uh, But I have a full, I think, 15-minute review on my channel for those who are curious about that i don't need to go on about that any longer because i already dedicated content to that um anything else i've been playing i kind of dropped animal crossing i was shocked actually when we were checking our hours i've seen people with like 150 hours and i'm like okay all right settle down 120 i'm not in that department Um, but as someone who really wasn't like enjoying it that much i was really surprised i hit 25 or more hours according to my nintendo profile um it is one of those games where you just pick it up like oh quick 30 minutes here uh it ends up lasting longer than that but yeah i've just 
as I said last week, and I said it on Twitter, Animal Crossing just really isn't my, I don't want to say it isn't my jam. It's just, uh, I think it's kind of overhyped, if I'm honest. And even my girlfriend, who's like obsessed with Animal Crossing, um, we actually just returned to our, our podcast, uh, BFGFAFK, for those who don't do want a little more Maddie. Uh, we're available on Spotify and whatnot. But anyway, and we're also on the Patreon, I should say that. Um, but anyway, she even was like, yeah, it was kind of overhyped, but she really likes it. And she's got like 35 plus hours in it and, and she's still enjoying it. So, um, it's interesting to see that conversation, but yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that's, that's all I've been playing. Um, nothing else comes to mind. So with that, let's get ahead into the gaming news. You're going to hear me clicking around a bit this episode. Cause I don't have to account for a face camera cause it's just me. Um, so you're going to hear me like clicking to, to web pages and stuff as I, as I gather, the news we're going to talk about as the show is headlined and labeled for YouTube. We're going to be talking about the last of us part two and Marvel's Iron Man VR being delayed uh, and some subsequent information that came out afterwards from Jason Schreier. So let's start off with the update from PlayStation update. SIE has made the difficult decision to delay the launch of the last of us part two and Marvel's Iron Man VR until further notice. Logistically, the global crisis is preventing us from launch from the launch experience our players deserve. They follow this up by saying, currently, there are no other delays to report, but we will keep you updated. And people are still trying to tell me the PS5 is coming out this year. I don't really think so. That's what I said a couple of weeks ago. I said it on Twitter um, because we have um, Xbox who pretty much got ahead of what was happening with the virus and, and started um, factories which were producing Xbox Ones um, well ahead of, of this virus. Like they went to, I think, Vietnam and a couple of other countries uh, and, and whatnot. And um, this helped them get ahead of because what's what's important to note is with this global crisis going on is that everyone's manufacturing plants that were based in China were now affected and they had to go elsewhere. So it started to become a first comes first serve thing. So to know that Microsoft was ahead of the ball and their production continued on, uh, they may be ahead of Sony a little bit where they didn't anticipate things spiraling too much out of control. Uh, maybe they trusted the situation in China would get under wraps a little quicker. Um, and so... I think uh, that we may not see PS5 until early 2021, as I had initially predicted, just given Sony's initial silence as well. Um, it just seems that way. But that is speculation. Um, maybe maybe PlayStation was ahead of the ball. But anyway, they have delayed The Last of Us Part Two and Marvel Iron Man until further notice. Um, what's interesting about this is what Jason Schreier said Afterwards, he said, The Last of Us Part 2 was on track for May. Multiple developers have told me the primary reason for the delay is the challenge of printing, shipping, and selling physical games right now. Going remote has not stopped the still, uh, not stopped those still working on the game, such as QA, from crunching. Hopefully, this delay helps. So, yeah, I mean, we do know that um, there was a, a bit of crunch. With The Last of Us Part Two and in Naughty Dog culture, they had recently been fairly exposed for that. Um, a question that Jason Trier did get is why wouldn't they just release digitally? It's so much better and convenient. This is where things get uh, even more interesting. He says, Sony is already throttling PSN download speeds. Imagine what a catastrophe it would be if millions of people tried to download the game at once. 
He says, I also believe they ran the numbers and decided they miss out on too many physical sales. So this does mean, in my opinion, from what he's written, at least, this is just me inferring information, is that games will continue to be developed remotely. It sounds like The Last of Us Part Two, since he, he states the primary reason for the delay was the challenge of printing, shipping, and selling physical games. Um, considering that the internet's in the state it is now where a lot more people are online and they, they have to slow down some of the speeds. Um, it seems like making the game won't be the problem. So if you're like an indie developer, this might be a good year for you because digitally, um, will there be millions and millions of people coming through the floodgates kind of like with the last of us part two, probably not unless you're a very special indie title, which I'm not saying is impossible, but I think this is good news in one way that work can continue on in a mostly unimpacted manner. Uh, hopefully this does relieve the crunch. That is one of the primary concerns, but yeah, I thought that this whole delay had brought out, um, an interesting conversation. I feel like people should have been talking about it already because, um, wasteland was delayed to, I believe it was August 28th because of this virus. And it was supposed to come out in May. It was a month away, which is when I was saying, Hey, this virus is going to send a lot of games back a lot more than we expect. And I'm sure that's still the case. Um, because actually Jason Trier did reply to another tweet. Someone said, are there any other companies you're expecting imminent delays from? And Jason said, all of them, which uh, is true. Yeah, a lot of people think that because the game industry has released like 18 games in the last month, uh, that no one's going to delay anything. But it's just that these games were so close to done uh, that they were able to to pop them out last minute here. Uh, we even see something like Final Fantasy VII Remake, which... I mean, would they move it back a handful of weeks initially before all this blew up just to do some last touches? And that short amount of weeks prevented them from doing a full-on physical launch. I mean, that to me is amazing. It's not amazing in a good way. It's just, it's fascinating, right? And and people were getting it early in Australia and, and, and we still can't download it though. It's It's really, really odd. Um, and so, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's going to be a weird time. Um, that's why I, I immediately, when I started seeing this news, my first thought was I'm going to put together a video at some point down the line of backlog games that people maybe haven't thought of because eventually we're going to see these releases start to slow down. Like Ghost of Tsushima, you're telling me that they're going to delay The Last of Us, but they're not going to delay Ghost of Tsushima. Come on. Uh, that's definitely getting delayed. I just don't think Sony wanted to act too swiftly. Um, maybe also just given the culture and the status of Naughty Dog, um, they wanted to fully take advantage of every sale there. Whereas initially Ghost of Tsushima was tucked behind the last of us and and people viewed it as a protective shield. This could also bring about speculation that this delay had been known about internally for a while and that, um, they were just gonna, they were, they were putting Ghost of Tsushima in June because the last of us wasn't going to be a month before it. Um, so there's a lot to to peel apart here. It's it's like an onion. It's an onion bit of news. And so for me, I just found it a really interesting topic. Um, hopefully, though, there's not crunching. And um, I imagine we'll see more. With my luck, uh, we're recording this on Friday at 6.02. Um, it's April 3rd, 2020, of course. And uh, I guarantee by the time this is up, we'll have a bunch more delays and and this podcast will be in a little time capsule, and that'll be most unfortunate. Um, but yeah, I just I feel like I, I want to get back to the consoles a little bit. I, I do wonder if because I did state how I think PlayStation Five will be delayed. I said this before all this just because of Sony silence, but now 
they're if they're indefinitely pushing back games i can't see how a console is getting put together um especially because they're waiting so long to just show consumer focused details they talked developer focused details um but yeah i just wanted to touch base with this because maybe even with these additional factories that we know microsoft got in touch with and um, they did get producing on the xbox um, does that really change anything if this has become such a global catastrophe that's another perspective worth considering here so yeah man it, it's it's almost like the world is at a standstill out, outside of the games industry and i think it's because it's such a a means of digital consumption people think it's going to continue to flow and I, I think like when you look at even wastelanders they're saying because of the situation they pushed it back a week and, and like i found that crazy that had been tested for so long on the pts i thought there was no doubt that wastelanders was staying where it was um but yeah, now it's coming out the 14th of April. And uh, by the way, this is a good time to say uh, we are going to have Juicehead on next week for uh, the the Wastelanders launch. We're gonna we're gonna talk to him about uh, the game, the expansion, what we hope to see together, and it should be a good time. It's been long overdue to get Juicy Juice here on the show. We've talked a ton uh, in person, um, but just like never ever got together on a collaboration. Uh, it's just that's the thing with covering Bethesda games. It's so tough to collaborate on them because the only relevant multiplayer game, like, and I say relevant in the terms of, I was a Fallout content creator. Juicehead was a Camelworks was like we were all Fallout guys, and and then like they dropped this relevant Fallout Online title, and we were all talking about like collabs and doing stuff together, and like how good of a time it's gonna be. Like we're gonna make this huge group, and it's gonna be sick. And then, like, the game just flops, and you're like, well, there goes that. That sucks. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just tough for us to collab with these types of games outside of just discussions on on major topics. Uh, so that's what the, the podcast will serve as. We're going to talk about Wastelanders. I'm sure we'll get more info leading up to it. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was a good time to announce that. All right, let's move on into the news a little bit more. I just got to mark down the timestamps. This is usually a little bit easier when I'm, when I'm able to pass it off to Carrick while he's talking. I'll just write it all down. Anyway... Our second bit of news here is about Modern Warfare 2. Now, this was a, a telegraphed drop. We knew this was coming for a while. Um, we'd heard murmurs of it being remastered years ago. And what's fascinating about this... I'm going to take a drink for a little dramatic pause. What's fascinating about this is that this game has been ready for two years. <laughs> it has been ready for two years and they decided to drop it now. And they dropped it now with an exclusive deal. So it won't be for another month that you can get this on Xbox One and PC. Furthermore, it is only Modern Warfare 2's campaign. It's 20 bucks. I think a lot of people were sort of freaking out about the wrong thing in my perspective. Like, I was freaking out more so because why is it just the Modern Warfare 2 campaign? Like, are, are you kidding me? When I talk MW2, man, like, I don't give a damn. Oh, well, I shouldn't say that. I like the campaign. But I, I, I think of multiplayer, like, oh, my God. Outside of One Man Army Noob Tubes, that multiplayer was so crispy. And to have them maybe come back with a remastered version, nerf some things that desperately needed to be, and actually have it fixed oh my god man that would have been so good it would have even pulled me back in but they did just the campaign that's why i was freaking out for a lot of people though it was about this one month exclusivity window and some people were saying like why in this dire time is activision holding up an exclusive deal and i'm like is anyone actually surprised it's motherfucking activision they suck so much ass. <laughs> so I'm quite frankly not fucking surprised at all. Like they are so shitty. So 
for them to do an exclusive deal in the middle of a pandemic and say, hey, sorry, you got to be a PlayStation fan. That's uh, kiss my ass. You know, that's what I say. No shot on buying it. But I did find a GameSpot article titled, uh, here's why Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 Remastered does not include multiplayer. I thought for those of you who were like me and thinking, where the hell is it? This would be a timely article. And this was actually just posted today as we record this a few hours ago. So it should be pretty fresh by the time it gets out to the masses. All right. Um, In a blog post, Activision said it decided against releasing Modern Warfare 2's multiplayer as a standalone pack and instead favored the... I get exhausted reading this, favored the idea of launching additional classic map experiences within modern warfare over time. What the hell is this shit? Rather than, so, oh my God, rather than release a separate multiplayer experience as a standalone pack like any normal company, Activision and Infinity Ward are looking to bring more classic map experiences to new life within modern warfare universe as it continues to grow and build over time, the publisher says. With the release of Modern Warfare in 2019, Activision said it started to focus on bringing players together seamlessly in one unified online multiplayer playground. Uh, The game supports cross-play, and all DLC packs are free for everyone. Uh, So the good news is it's good because you're not going to have to pay money to experience the multiplayer maps. Um, There is already rust that's been put into the game. But yeah, this... Like they're put, I, I'm sorry. I know a lot of people really raved about Call of Duty Modern Warfare. I thought that game just felt so clunky. And I played a decent amount of it. I played competitively on it for a couple of weeks. And I run some pub matches. And I just, it did not feel good. Um, I felt Black Ops 4 felt infinitely better. Something was completely different with the new engine they're using. I did not play the campaign though. I've heard that was pretty good. Um, but I'm just, I'm kind of over, unless I'm reviewing it, like the last time I did was uh, in Infinite Warfare, I think. Uh, I'm just, I think, actually, sorry, Call of Duty World War II. If I'm reviewing it, like, yeah, I'll, I'll hop into the campaign. It's a part of the package, and I'll be more interested and have a, a business interest more so in it. Uh, but when it comes to me as a consumer, like, I don't want to spend my money on these five-hour shootathons. It just blows my mind that suddenly they're like we're keeping it in a unified multiplayer playground as if they're not releasing a new call of duty this year and i think it would behoove them to have released a new multiplayer uh call of duty this year like call of duty Modern Warfare 2 uh remastered just multiplayer because think of it this way let's say this pandemic continues on it does impact the development that activision usually has for its games right now suddenly they can't get out their annual Call of Duty in a complete package, although I would not be shocked at all if Activision rushed it out and just ruined the world even more. But let's say that they don't. Now you have the Modern Warfare 2 multiplayer to release later on. And hell, if they sat on the campaign for this long, I wouldn't be surprised if there was remastered multiplayer that they were sitting on to make sure that, hey, maybe this new Call of Duty does come to fruition. If it doesn't, we've got this in our back pocket. Um, I just don't know why if you've sat on it for two years, you've had this campaign for two years and you say, yeah, I'm going to launch it now when the world is in turmoil and we're going to have an exclusive deal. I imagine, you know, I'm smart enough to say, hey, there are things that are just written in ink and whenever Activision chose to announce this, that it had to be Sony exclusive, that was on paper and Sony's not going to say, oh, you know, tough shit, Um, we're not backing out. I, I just think like the time it just waited out right like it's already there what's happening 
I don't know. Maybe Activision foresaw that there was because there was going to be such a dip in the economy, put something out there now for people to buy. Um, and maybe they viewed it as more of a long-term thing because it's exclusive to PS4 and then it gets a second win on Xbox One and PC. I, I don't know, guys, but I just, I thought it was foolish. I would really, really, really like to see them to bring out, uh, bring back, sorry, the uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 multiplayer separately. Um, just because I'm not interested in, in playing Modern Warfare, right? Um, I do like that people will get it for free. That's good for the consumer. Certainly not going to complain about that. But uh, yeah, there's your explanation on why Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 released just the campaign and not the multiplayer. <clears throat> All right, let's continue this on and talk about, let's see what I have next on my list here. Mario. Oh gosh, yeah, this, this one was crazy. This one seemed like out of a dream. And I mean that maybe in a good way or a bad way, depending on how much you like Mario. Uh, so this information comes from GameInformer.com. Mario is one of the most iconic characters in video games, so every one of his birthdays is worth celebrating. If recent reports are to be to believe, uh, Nintendo may be planning an impressive celebration that includes Switch re-releases of many of Mario's best games. Eurogamer and Video Games Chronicle reported that Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy will all get re-releases sometime this year. Additionally, Nintendo is working on a new Paper Paper Mario title and a deluxe version of Super Mario 3D World that includes new levels. If true, these details are very exciting, but we may also soon hear new details on Nintendo's slash Universal's upcoming Mario theme park, as well as the upcoming animated Super Mario Bros. movie. A few weeks ago, Nintendo announced its partnership with Lego, and it's possible that this was just the beginning for our mustachioed pal. We've reached out to Nintendo for further comment, and given that this article hasn't been updated, they have yet to hear back. All right, so the next rumor that followed up was that those three uh, 3D Mario games being 64, Sunshine, and Galaxy also may be in one package. And that's where I was like, okay, hold on. That's one of those, it's too good to be true. And usually in gaming, uh, as my friend Monty said, if it's too good to be true, it's probably not true. And while I think that is a very negative standpoint to take on, I do think in gaming, often it is. Um, There's always, always that catch in gaming. Um, It would be really neat to see, though, these three very definitive Mario games in a package. And as someone who has never played Sunshine, uh, for those of you who listen to BFGFAFK, you'll know this. But for those who don't, we have an episode fully dedicated to our favorite uh, GameCube games. And so mine are a bunch of like third-party games and there's stuff like Star Fox Assault. I love that game, but it's mostly like third-party exclusives, Naruto Clash of Ninja, for example. Um, But like you'll hear Laylee talking about Super Mario Sunshine and stuff. And I'm like, I've never played that game. Uh, I never played Super Mario Galaxy either Um, because when I bought my Wii, I just I I thought the, the Wii motion controller was so cool. And the only reason I wanted it was because I thought, man, if you could swing a sword like that, that'd be cool. Uh, And that's how I fell in love with Twilight Princess. I really, really liked that game. But point being is, outside of that, I did not play uh, a ton of my Wii. I can't really think of... I liked shooters on it as a kid. I I remember... uh, Quick story time. Quick diversion. There was this time in uh, 8th grade. It was... uh, What was it? Finals week, I think? I think it was finals week. And uh, my parents took away all my games. They're like, you need to focus on your studies. The only thing they left was a Wii with Wii Fit. And me being the goddamn video game addict I am, 
I was like, okay, I'm going to study till six o'clock. And as a kid, I was definitely not good at sports and I was not super athletic. I would like to say, and I, I say this with good confidence that nowadays something happened. I, I am much more athletic and I am much better at sports, but anyway, back then did not like that stuff. So for me, it was fascinating in one regard to want to do all that, but B, I just wanted to play a video game. So I played Wii Fit. I played Wii Fit for a couple of hours each night and I did like yoga and whatnot. And uh, I, you know, I treated it as like mental preparation, but father and mother did not know that they left under my bed Call of Duty 3. So I quietly sat back and played that. So I do recall playing first person shooters on the Wii. I enjoyed the, the aiming and shooting. Although if I went back today, I'd probably yank my hair out. Um, but yeah, like I said, have not, have not played Super Mario Galaxy. Um, so this package would be like a dream for me. I've played a ton of Super Mario 64, like most folks, but uh, I know I've apparently missed out with Super Mario Sunshine and Galaxy. Um, just growing up, I was never a huge Mario fan. Like I played Odyssey, don't get me wrong, but even that people were like creaming their pants over it. And I was sitting there going like, it's a good game, but it's not like a nine out of 10 good. I, I think people are becoming a little more conscious dare I say, of a Nintendo bump. Um, I think Animal Crossing benefited from the current situation. I'm not saying it's a bad game, by the way. I'm just saying I think it did benefit. Uh, Just like I think Odyssey benefited from some of the Mario hype. Um, Because it's not like the game's bad where it deserves a lower score. It's just I think a 9 out of 10, for example, or a 10 out of 10 combines multiple elements of a game, like a story, uh, gameplay. But you can have just a 10 out of 10 gameplay experience. Just I don't think as a platformer, Mario Odyssey hit that. Although, artistically, I really adored that game's approach of mixing 2D and 3D. I thought that was really cool. Pardon me. I need to take another sip of my drink. You see, one of the things that happens when you when you talk a lot for a living <clears throat> is especially on Fridays, my voice gets pretty shot, which is why I end up clearing my throat a lot. Um, but what happens too is, is you're, I just start salivating a ton because I'm talking so fast and I'm like, I need a drink, but you need to have a sense of flow throughout the show. So anyway, Mario is, is taking over your switch, man. A new paper Mario title is really interesting. This is kind of the RPG Mario games, um, from way back. Uh, I think one was called like thousand year door. I'm going to have to double check that thousand year door let's see yep that was a paper mario game i think a lot of people really like that one i believe that was a gamecube game um so it's good to see that that's coming back like for me mario rpg that sounds sick i love i love series that aren't supposed to be an rpg that do an rpg like i think there was a sonic game um that my friend sent me my friend Saul. he was like Hey, dude, ch- check out this this Sonic RPG. It's by Bioware, and it's horrible. And I look at it, and I'm like, this looks cool. Um, and there are plenty of other examples. Like, why hasn't SpongeBob done an RPG? That would be sick. Imagine, imagine like, SpongeBob with, like, a bubble beam attack or something like that, and, and, and you're targeting, like, certain elements. Oh, man, that would be cool. So the idea of Super Mario taking uh, an, a role-playing game approach um, nowadays would be awesome. I just love these mixing and matching of IP that just shouldn't work, but they, you know, creatives just make it happen. Um, you think of a game like Mario and Rabbids, it's XCOM. It's literally XCOM, but they do it so well that you don't even care. And it feels so right. If you like XCOM, I think it's, uh, pardon me. It's like $8 right now. If you have a switch and you like XCOM, or maybe you've never played XCOM, Give Mario and Rabbids a whirl for $8. That's 
oh my god, you may as well just steal from them, man. Like, it's insane. It's insane. Such a good game. Carrick and I have raved about it a lot on this podcast. I would love it. If anyone does try it out, please let me know. Because a lot of times when I, like, tell people about games, I do get tweets and messages or comments saying, like, Hey, man, I tried this as per your recommendation, or I got into this because of you. And I love to engage in that conversation and just see what you guys think as, like, new fans. Like, just for me as a a lover of games and discussion about games, that excites me. Like, that's a reward for me. It's not even about, like, sometimes the money or the views. It's cool to see conversation. Uh, If you guys need an example... Um, look at my near replicant video. I made a video completely about near replicant remaster. I was like, this is a little niche, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Um, and it's end, it's ended up like gaining some traction over time, which I'm really happy with. It just surpassed 10,000 viewers, which is better than my Neo two review, which I spent 80 plus hours playing that game. I mean, I did it cause I enjoyed it, but still like that's a lot of time, uh, for something that completely did not do well on the channel. Um, but anyway, um, oh man, see, this is what happens. You you rotate so quickly that you lose your train of thought. Uh, Near Replicant Remaster. Um, when you look at that video, the comments were really positive. I was I was definitely like tapping into a whole new viewer base there, and to see people like thrilled about Near getting a, a remaster, and and just seeing some of the the conversations of people talking about like localization, some of the translation errors, and how it can change the interpretation of of like weapon descriptions and stuff, and 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 some of the story beats that we we drew conclusions to to me that's like that's awesome that's like that's more rewarding than any amount of money or viewership that video could get it's just learning more from you guys based off that conversation so i would absolutely love it if like one of you did end up trying out mario and rabbits just shoot me a tweet i would i would love to see what you think uh that game is great and i i speak very highly of it for good reason and at eight dollars i can guarantee you won't even regret it you know that's the thing it's one of those easy buys if you haven't already plus nintendo doesn't put games on sale you know they put uh what game was it um they finally after i think about two years now or it's going to be two years this summer put octopath traveler on sale and that game was 60 dollars for the longest time and it sold well it sold like i think two million copies or over it easily surpassed a million copies i think it got over two million um but that game sold well, and I was like, oh, that'll eventually go on sale. Nope, just Nintendo doesn't do sales. So I would take advantage of the 8 bucks for that game. <clears throat> it's insane. Um, but yeah, apparently Super Mario, Super Mario Sunshine, and Mario Galaxy are all coming out. A lot of sources were tapping into this. I saw someone saying, like, I should have just said something in the first place because I knew about this for a while. Um, but these are, these are exciting details and could definitely be a bright spot in the year. Um, given that they're ports too, I think maybe Nintendo could get this out to folks, um, relatively easy without having to worry about the virus corrupting anything, uh, in the terms of a development pipeline. But that is just, once again, my assumption. Okay. Enough about our, our friend Mario. Let's talk a little bit about, I think I had next on the list. You know what? This is why I should read the topic first, right? Yes. Okay. It is platinum games. All right, so a fifth Platinum Games announcement is inbound, and this is exciting for me in particular, and I'm sure a lot of you share that same love for Platinum Games. Um, So if you've been paying attention, they had this thing called the Platinum 4, and they've made an announcement each time. So they announced the Wonderful 101. Um, They're remastering that game. Um, Before that, 
They announced that they're going to be doing their self-published project, their first one ever called Project GG. Um, they revealed a new Tokyo studio, which will make new kinds of games, which is also exciting. Um, and then their fourth announcement was this um, joke that they were making a game called Soul Cresta, which was a side-scrolling shooter in collaboration with Hamster Corporation. Um, and people were not sure if it was a joke or not, um, but it turns out that the announcement is tagged with April Fool's Day, so it is just a joke. But some people were like, I'm cool with this. Anyway, uh, this fifth announcement is on the website. It says the star is tagged with xx.xx.2020, so it's a date that's coming out in 2020. Clicking on it bears no new information. All we can glean from this is there's another Platinum Games announcement coming this year. When is anyone's guess, especially given the mischief Platinum Games has been up to in the past week, says IGN. So there are a couple of places people have speculated about this. Number one is... Bayonetta 3 finally gets re-revealed. I think it was like 2017 at the Game Awards that they finally revealed Bayonetta 3 and then it just completely disappeared. And they developed like how many other games, right? Like they were doing Astral Chain, uh, Nier Automata, like so many other games have come out from them since then. And people were like, where is Bayonetta 3? And Bayonetta's fantastic, by the way. So I would love to see Bayonetta 3. There is also... Uh, Babylon's Fall, which is a, another collaboration between Platinum Games and Square Enix, uh, much like what we saw with um, Nier Automata, although Yoko Taro was at the head of that. Um, but anyway, yes, we do know Babylon's Fall is coming from them. We have not seen much extensive gameplay. There is like it, the, the way that they market some of these games is so weird. They announced it. The trailer looked dope. It's been a while since then, and the only thing I've seen of this game was like a GIF on Twitter that Square Enix posted of some of the combat, and it looks great. But I'm like, all right, you got gameplay on tap somewhere. Why? Like usually, what happens is you post your gameplay, and then you GIF the shit out of that, and then just use that for social media material for your account for weeks and weeks and weeks to engage in discussion and remind people that your shit exists. But they didn't do that with Babylon's Fall. They just posted like a GIF or two, and then said, hey. Hey, we're doing this. It still exists, but no gameplay yet. Uh, but there is a small, small bit of it out there. Uh, so hopefully we'll see more of that. Um, and then um, some have speculated Scalebound may return, although uh, Phil Spencer kind of kiboshed that, saying it's not really a concern going forward. Um, but yeah, there's been a lot of announcements from Platinum Games. As a huge fan of their work, from Transformers to even the bad stuff like TMNT, I, I replayed that this year actually just out of sheer boredom because nothing was out. And I was like, this is a four-hour game and let's see if I hate it as much. I still hate it, just I hate it a little bit less. There are some things about it and I couldn't even put my finger on what. I think it was just the animation, the art. Uh, the turtles look really good, but some of the enemies are busted. The combat, like the frames and animation, it's just trash. But I hate it a little bit less, probably because it's been enough years for me to, to, to relieve some of that hate. Um, but anyway... As a fan of all their work, you know, going into Astro Chain, which was my game of the year last year, uh, Nier Automata, which was my game of the year of 2017, uh, this is just a, a developer at the top of their game right now. And unlike a lot of other developers at the top of their game, I don't think Platinum Games gets the widespread love that they absolutely deserve. I mean, people really like them, but I just feel like they, they're kind of like a come and go. It's not like a, a Naughty Dog or a Bethesda when they were at their prime or... A uh, number of other studios, CD Projekt Red, were like, they're just churning out good shit. And people were like, oh my god, yes, like constantly. It uh, just doesn't seem like Platinum Games has that grip 
like so many other companies. Now, I do think the possibility of them teasing this fifth announcement but not doing it in full is because of the pandemic. They're probably thinking to themselves, okay, we have a date of some kind ready, hence what was on the website. Um, but we can't announce that date because that date very well can change. Um, and I believe that the Wonderful 101 is still slated to come out in May, if I do remember correctly. Um, yes, right here at the bottom of the IGN article, a remaster of the Wonderful 101 is coming to Steam, PS4, and Switch in May. Yeah, and I, I don't know if they're going to like do any crowdfunding again. Maybe that's why they're holding back, because now is not a good time to crowdfund. People are losing their jobs. The economy's in a really rough state. Um, people are trying to hold on to every penny they've got, which is totally understandable. Now is not the time to really ask for money, which is why I tried to, yeah, I tried to lean back on talking about the Patreon a little bit. I can't stress its importance right now because, like CPM, which is YouTube calls it the quote cost per mile end quote, um, which is essentially how much money you make per thousand views, like completely got slashed, like 40 percent slash. And so I'm fortunate enough, like many others, to still be making money. It's just considerably less. It's a real, like, jarringly low number. And given the effort, you're still putting in the same amount. It's like, for those of you who are maybe at home, like my girlfriend, but you're still getting paid, imagine if, which this is very well possible, your job said, hey, because you're home and things aren't going well, we're paying you 60% of what you normally make. It's really, like, weird. It's like, okay, I get it. It just stings. Uh, But we're in a good position where... We're able to continue trucking on here. I just wanted to make sure people know, you know, the 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 Patreon donations are incredibly appreci- appreciated. It makes a really big difference that goes from like panic and worry to just okay, you know, things are happening in the world, but you know, you guys got me, and I really do appreciate that power and numbers. Most of our patrons are a dollar, and uh, it, it helps a ton. So thank you guys so much for that. But anyway, uh, they titled this announcement "Bonus Stage," so it may not be the biggest deal. But uh, I'm glad to know that their final announcement wasn't a stupid-ass April Fool's joke. Um, that's all that made me happy. I was like, okay, that that wasn't that wasn't that bad. Yeah, it, it, it was a. It, I don't know why anyone like why this year would anyone do joke announcements? Maybe they thought they were bringing happiness to the world. I don't know. Like I was just not in the mood for half that shit. Um, but that's just me personally. All right, that's our last bit of news for this show. Let's go ahead and get into the patron questions. Um, I apologize. Last week, I normally do communicate it, but I I did not communicate that uh, we were going to have a guest. And so um, I didn't get to use any of those patron questions. And given the nature of the intro of this week, I I didn't want to just pull too much from last week. I wanted to give people a chance to, to take in what has been a really busy week and resubmit if they would like to. Uh, but there were some really great lingering questions that I hadn't had a chance to talk about yet, but we have a lot. Um, so let's get right into it. Let's start off with, and by the way, I don't play favorites when I, when I pull from these older questions from the previous week, just cause I, I just kind of pick what I know I can answer right away. Uh, such as natural calamity says, I have recently gotten a girlfriend and would love to play through some of my favorite games with her. What are some ways that you've used, or uh, you recommend to start that up? So this is a really good question because I love Bioshock, as a lot of you know. And when I met Laylee, the first thing I did was I, when she came over, we played Bioshock, and she didn't like it. And fortunately, Laylee likes to speak up, which is good. And she told me, I don't like this. Some people will sit there and just kind of be like, oh, yeah, I don't want to upset him. Like, obviously, it's a game. I don't care. 
Um, but she said, I don't really like this. I gave her Persona 5. She really, really liked it. She fell in love with it, and we talk about Persona a ton now. So I guess my first thing would be to, obviously, she's your girlfriend. You got to know her taste, right? Like what you may think is uh, really good and compelling. You know, you're you're on my patron discord. You know, you watch my videos, and I'm sure you watch many other creators. So you're probably more ingrained in like the the finer parts of games. Make sure to separate that from yourselves when, when you talk to your girlfriend about what game she should play. That doesn't mean like assume she's an idiot and, and, and offer her like, you know, play Mario Odyssey, you know, like play, play these, these famous brand characters in these games. No, like obviously not that, uh, but just consider their taste. Like for me, I now know Laylee likes persona. So when I see something like trails of cold steel, or I see something like uh Danganronpa, I'm like, Hey, this would be up your alley, and she does have interest in them. She doesn't have a Vita, sadly, um, and she doesn't have like a PS, uh, a PS4, or now five, of course, because she wanted to wait to see if there would be backwards compatibility so that she could just play all the other PS4 games. But I digress. Um, some of those games, she just does not have access to them right now. So I would just say know her taste and don't use your own taste and put it on her. That's like one of the worst things you can do because then you're you're probably just going to constantly set her up to not like things. But also you know like for me I know Laylee probably wouldn't like Kotor. I just kind of know based off her taste even though I just fanboy about it. If it came out on the Switch, I wouldn't be like, you got to play this. But with something like The Outer Worlds, I'm like, okay, it's an FPS game. There's conversations. She loves dialogue in games. You know what? Yeah, like she said, she'll give that a try. Because I gave Animal Crossing a try. So keep that in mind too. There's deals you can make. I did not want to buy Animal Crossing. She was semi-interested in Outer Worlds, but because we're both stubborn, we came to an agreement. I will buy Animal Crossing. I will play it. We'll see if I like it. I ended up being like, oh, it's all right. And uh, she's going to try out The Outer Worlds. Hopefully she likes it. If she doesn't, that's cool. Um, just encourage an open mind approach. You know, my girlfriend's going to try out Catherine this summer on the switch. Like she is interested in it because I raved about it. It's from the same studio that made persona. Um, so there's that stuff there too. Share what you like. If they don't like it, that's okay. Uh, next question comes from droop snoot. What's something in a video game that made your jaw drop due to the talent and ingenuity on behalf of the developers? For me, many from soft game bosses just blow me away with how incredible they are. So this is a recent one, but I could touch on it a little bit deeper is environments. Um, I was looking at doom eternal and how sometimes you'll see these beautiful vistas and just some of the most incredible visuals ever. And you're like, how did they do this? Not only to make it look so good, but it, it like targets where you're going. You know, when you see that Vista, it's like, I'm going to be there at some point. That's where the level friggin' ends. And I just see that and go like, man, like, how do you plot that out where it's not just a good looking Vista? It's actually a place the player goes to. And inside that location is these like incredible arenas. Like, it just bends my mind, man. Some of these people are just artists. I could never fathom doing something on that level. I really couldn't. All right. Let's scroll down a little bit more. Johnny EC, this is our last question from last week, and then we'll get into all the new questions because we do have quite a bit. Johnny EC asks us, have you ever had to review a game you just weren't getting into? How did you deal with it? And what did you do to keep the review as objective as possible? 
Um, so yeah, this is a really good question because when it comes to reviews, you have to not only be able to interpret your own enjoyment, which may sound easy. Like, did I have fun? Did I not? But also if you didn't love something that much, be able to objectively talk about the game through the perspective of someone who may enjoy this style of games. So let me take a look at Metro Exodus and Marvel Ultimate Alliance three. I just went to my review playlist and right when I was scrolling down, I was like, aha, these two. So I did a review for Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. Um, it was kind of like an interesting split on discussion. A lot of people disliked it because, you know, I, I didn't speak too favorably of it. I called the game a complete mess. But at the end of that video for like, I don't know how many people actually got through it all. I said to go buy it. And that's the part that a lot of people missed, I think, in, the, in their uh, ability to complain. You see, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 is still a messy game. Its progression systems are horrible. It's layered like a goddamn mobile title, but it is a really fun beat-em-up. It has a great art style. There's great replayability there. There's a ton of modes. There's now excellent DLC. There's a ton of Marvel characters to play as. The levels are cool. And so I objectively can step back and look at Ultimate Alliance 3 and be like, you know what? Does this progression system and how messy it is and how they kind of watered down the gameplay as well to not as like, like, for example, I loved uh, Ultimate Alliance 1's gameplay because it was simple where it was a light attack, a heavy attack, but certain enemies were weak to a stun or a sweep or a knockup or just a normal combo. And that made it just, you, you'd pay attention to the enemy attacking you. There was a detail built into the combat system that Ultimate Alliance 3 doesn't have. It's just button mashing abilities, rinse and repeat. But... That doesn't make it bad, right? Like, I love Dynasty Warriors games, so I understand it. I have firsthand experience of understanding it. But also at the same time, I know there are people who that won't matter for. And you could say that about any review, right? Like, my complaints wouldn't matter for them. But the idea is being able to separate these complaints and say, you know what, was this so overwhelmingly bad that I should tell people to stay away? Same thing with Ori and the Will of the Wisps before we get into Metro Exodus. That game ran like crap for me my first three hours. I could have easily dropped that game and said, this is a sack of shit, I'm done, goodbye. Part of it is having patience. Part of it's having patience to see a game through and understand what the developer's intention was. With Metro Exodus, it's a little bit different because with that opinion, I came out way after the fact because people kept like <laughs> like going on my back about how like I had not made my Metro review that I promised back in like February and I don't think it was for like many months later that I I came out with it when it was just about to release on Steam or something which which timed out well. Uh, it was not intentional, I promise you that, but it def- definitely did time out well. Or actually, did it come out on Steam? No, actually, the comments were saying it hasn't come out on Steam yet, so I'm happy to see this late review. Um, but yeah, I wasn't a fan of that game because I felt it stepped away from the strengths of the Metro series. So as a longtime fan of Metro, I look at it and say, here's what Metro is strong with. Do the things that they do now, opening it up. Does that appeal to me or does that appeal to a wider audience? And So that's why you want to leave it open-ended. That's why my reviews have become very long because the more details for the consumer, the better. The more that they're able to see of the game and understand what it is, they can make a decision before you have to tell them what it is. I don't know. I I doubt, quite frankly, even when it comes to Carrick, most people go, he gave it a buy. I'm going to go blindly buy this game, right? You want to hear the context of the reasoning for the purchase. And that's where the separation comes in. So that's why, for example, in my Doom Eternal review, I want to tell you guys everything I loved about it from arenas to how it reminded me of Halo and how much I adored that campaign and just 
from top to bottom, breaking down my love for it. And somewhere in between there, something may stick out to you that you like or dislike. That's just the nature of reviews. But that's why you want to put it all on the table. That's why even though I love Doom Eternal, I still made a section. All right, I'm sorry, I should say this. Not only did I love Doom Eternal, I called it one of the best first-person shooters ever made. And despite that, I still made time in my video for a section about what I thought were flaws for the game. I think that's always important to consider. A lot of people brush flaws under the rug just because the game's so good or one thing that just oh my god i could pull my hair out at. i wish i could find the twitter thread but people were asking about review processes and i saw a bunch of members in the game media saying we don't take notes we just write down what comes to mind because we believe that's the most natural way and that's the way that <clears throat> you know what comes to mind is what's important it's like no definitely not and i'm not telling anyone how to review their games but definitely not Not true at all. As someone who reviews games and I'm friends with many reviewers, a lot of us take notes because we're not superhuman. There are many times I have been writing the notes for my reviews. I sit down to script and I look and I see I missed something and I'm like, that was important. And I just forgot about it. And that was already in my notes and I just tabbed over it because I I don't, I write my my notes for those who don't know as I go along in the review. Like I, I just, from... Uh, The moment I start to the moment I finish, it's just bullet points. There's no story section, gameplay section, sound section. It's just jotted down notes as I go along. And so I got to section all of those out as I retype my script. And sometimes you'll miss a part and be like, what is this note for? And you'll try to slide it in somewhere. And in that process, I also note that just, you know, you forget some things. And like, I wouldn't have considered them. Um, and, and that's just part of it. And that's why you see these reviews from these major outlets that come out are like five fucking minutes long because, <laughs> because they don't take notes. They don't write the whole thing out. Um, they're talented in the way of compressing it. But anyway, this has become a whole tangent. I need a drink. I'm having this V8 tropical splash. I cannot recommend it enough. Really good drink. All right. This week's questions begin with blade. In regard to The Last of Us 2 being delayed due to physical copies needing to be made, what are your thoughts of a physical release being delayed and a digital version releasing on time? You know what's funny? My friend Colin Moriarty of Colin's Last Stand, he didn't do this, but he's producing for his new game, Sacred Symbols, uh, or Twin Breaker, uh, A Sacred Symbols Adventure. Um, he, he released it digitally for 10 bucks on the PlayStation Store. You can get it now on the Vita, on the PS4. And I, I say this, I should let you guys know, I do work with Colin. I work on Colin's Last Stand. I produce videos there bi-weekly, and he does pay me. So just keep that in mind. I'm not telling you to go buy it. I'm just saying keep this in mind um, just so you know if there's bias or not. I think I'm well removed enough from it to, to speak objectively. But point being, to answer your question, he um, released it this month, I'm sorry, at the end of uh, March digitally. But the physical releases for the Vita and the PS4 uh, is being handled by East Asia Soft, and that's not coming till May. So granted, his game is not on the level of The Last of Us Part 2, but there is that ability to do a separate release. We've seen limited run games do it where indie games come out digitally and then they do a physical launch afterwards. I don't know why in a digital age it does matter so much for these companies to make the physical release happen. We've seen games media constantly pound you over the head not only media but also other content creators pound you over the head of the dying physical media and it is true in a manner of speaking i look at most noteworthy being before all this happened borderlands 3's numbers digitally 70 percent of the people who played that game i believe were digital and that was before any of this happened nothing was wrong with the internet nothing was wrong with the world 
before all this, it was a huge digital spike. So why is all of a sudden that not happening when it's a time to go digital? Well, as we stated earlier, when it came to The Last of Us Part 2, that's just because of the internet right now. YouTube is going to go down to 480p and just naturally, you can bump up the quality later on. But when it comes to loading in the videos, it's not doing it in 4K, 1080p, 720p. It's doing it in 480 off the bat and you can change your quality from there to help, you know, with the internet bandwidth. With that being said, though... Um, Putting everyone in a pipeline to download the game when PSN's throttling download speeds. It's just not a recipe for success. And I guess PlayStation 4 saw maybe a PR disaster if people couldn't download it or crashing the internet. I don't know. I really don't know. But I just think ultimately uh, now's the time to go digital and you'll probably see some games do it. Or you may see a stagnated physical launch. Um, it depends how much the company feels confident in their digital release. And, and time will tell on that. Brown Ninja writes in, Hi, Maddie. I hope the virus doesn't kill you. Jeez. Well, thank you. I'm staying inside, and I hope you are too. Anyways, I was wondering if there are any games that you used to dislike but now really like. Also, will you ever bring evil corporate Maddie on as a guest for the podcast? <clears throat> Given the length of these podcasts, I don't know if I could talk like this for like an hour and a half, uh, but that would definitely be interesting. It would definitely be interesting. Like talking in my normal voice, like my, my throat is killing me right now. It really is. Um... But it's also because I talk a mile a minute and I don't give myself time to breathe, which I'm going to do now as I take another drink. You could really hear that swallow that time. That was a loud one. <laughs> anyway, any games that I used to dislike but really like and vice versa. <clears throat> so we were actually just talking about Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. I haven't put my hands on it, so I don't know if this will stay true. But I have been really interested in its DLC, the Fantastic Four DLC of bringing in Doctor Doom, a whole new storyline. There's a gauntlet mode. Uh, they added a ton of new heroes to play with. I am interested in that. Um, I'm usually pretty, and not in a closed-minded way, I am usually pretty set in my reviews because I view it as even if you decide for yourself, if there are people, like I said earlier, who do wait to hear my thoughts on a game, I think it's very important that I consider, you know, the $60. And so I don't want to, you know, I don't want to steer anyone wrong. And if I say I don't like something and ends up being better down the line, I feel a little foolish, even if it's not my fault. Like a game gets updated, like um, let's say Fallout 76, right? I've made coverage, you know, good and bad on that game, but a lot of it was just highlighting some of the wrongdoings of Bethesda. And if I come out later on and say Wastelanders is good and go buy the game, I mean, that can't be helped, right? But in the situation of, like, I don't know, Far Cry New Dawn, like, I, I confidently was like, stay away from that game. Um, I really, I'm genuine, I'm being genuine about this because I like opening up during Patreon questions. I'm looking at my review playlist now. Is there any, like, there are games I look at and I'm like, I want to love that. We Happy Fuse, one I'm looking at right now. I, oh my God, I wanted to love the shit out of that game. Um, yeah, I don't know. Let's see here. Kingdom Come Deliverance, Monster Hunter World, I was very positive on. Lego Marvel Superheroes, I was really positive on. Uh, South Park, The Fractured Butthole, I was kind of like, buy that on a sale, which I don't stay away from, or I don't, uh, I don't disagree with. Um... Just seeing if there's anything in this review playlist. I mean, I'm proud of myself that I haven't seen anything. Maybe Prey. I guess maybe Prey. I like that a lot more nowadays than I did back then. But I didn't like tell people to not buy it. And I guess maybe I'm looking at it as too much of a a black and white approach. Um, 
Yeah, man, I, I'd say I've done a pretty good job. Yeah, Sniper Elite 4, I don't take that back. Halo Wars 2, don't take that back. Um, Definitely don't take back that The Last Guardian is the most disappointing game of 2016 for me. Yeah, I yeah, I can't really think of anything. I really can't. There's just natural online games that have improved over time, but most games I've not most, all all the games I see here I I've reviewed um I I stick with my score. I guess you could say with Fallout 4. I did say with Fallout 4 that the uh, the original game was incredible and I kind of dumbed it down cuz I I sort of took the fanboy goggles off. Um okay. Okay, here's one actually. Here's one. I still like this game but definitely not as much quantum break review, arguably Xbox, arguably Xbox one's best exclusive yet. And this was as of 2016. I thought it was a really, uh, <clears throat> I thought it was really interesting as a concept, but I, ever since I beat it, I've never had like a desire to go back and play it again. Um, that's definitely one. Maybe I would, I would redo for sure. I don't think I stand by that one. So it's been since 2016 that I felt that way. Uh, I'm glad we were able to dig through the history of Maddie together there. That was cool. Crazy Herb writes in. Hey, Maddie, hopefully you find yourself in good health right now. Uh, thank you. Yes, uh, but I shouldn't mention this. I should have said this in the beginning. Like, I'm healthy. I'm fine. And in, in this day and age, that's a good thing. With all this talk of game delays, Phil Spencer has been pretty insistent that the Xbox Series X will be releasing this fall. With this in mind, do you think a console launch with only one major launch title will hurt the console? Or will it give the system time to breathe as the rest of the world recovers? This is a really interesting question because I think a lot of people don't realize companies can approach things in any way they want. Like, it's not mandatory that we have uh, three launch games like we did with the Xbox One and PS4, where I think the PS4 was what? Knack? Killzone and do, 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 something else, whereas Xbox was Rise, Dead Rising Three, and something else as well. It's something with these third games, can't remember them. But um, I don't think they have to release them in duos or trios. Um, they can just release one game with it. Um, I do wonder if Halo will be ready. I don't think Xbox wants to rush that. I think uh, from what I've heard from sources, Fable isn't until next year. So do they still announce that this year during their Xbox Digital Showcase? I would say so. There's been apparent, although it turned out to be fake, there were apparent gameplay leaks. Um, There were, like, trailer leaks. It was on Mixer, for God's sakes. Like, they've been toying with that game for a while, putting it into its database and whatnot. I'd imagine they have some type of trailer ready. Um, So I do think it's feasible for them to launch a game with this. And the reason this is also possible and why Xbox is insistent about this is number one, I think there is a benefit no matter what the state of the economy is that you get out first. I think there's just the benefits of the conversation, the hands-on approach, knowing you're there first, uh, bringing that experience to people as soon as possible. I think there is a benefit. Does it mean rushing and compromising it is worth it? No, and I I don't think Xbox would do that because you only get to launch a console once, really once every (laughs) couple of years. Sure, you got your half steps, but still, man. So I think people do need to consider, and I'm sure you've thought of this crazy herb because I know you're more in the Xbox system, I believe. I know you're on Switch a lot, but still. Um, A lot of people don't think about the fact that Xbox does have this kind of pay-as-you-go program where you can pay 24 bucks a month for your Xbox. And even with the economy in shambles, if we can find a job, I I think most of us could afford, you know, 24 bucks a month to pay for our system and our game with that. If that's what Xbox said, or if they said like 30 bucks a month, you get your Xbox Series X and a game, and you got to pay 30 bucks a month for this, we'll say, what, 18-month window? That's not too bad. I don't think it would be that long. I think that would actually be like way more money than you actually spent. But point being is 
if Xbox gives you the ability to customize that package, let me pay 10 bucks a month for the next 30 months. I don't know. Something like that. Math. (laughs) The point being is if Xbox did something along those lines, that'd be pretty cool because then people could just pick it up day one. And and since they've grown so much through Game Pass and just that increments of money each month from a group of people, I'm sure they're not opposed to doing that with their consoles. So I think that's also why... Phil Spencer has been kind of insistent that it's coming out this year. And it's good that he keeps communicating it. It's not like how we do nowadays where, oh, last week he said this. Pardon me. He's been saying it pretty frequently. All right. I feel like I'm getting trolled with this name. Big Daddy writes in. How likely do you think it is that CD Projekt Red, or oh, CD Projekt Red, Cyberpunk 2077 gets delayed again because of the pandemic? And what other games do you think are in danger of the same fate? Many are in danger of the same fate. Uh, but I don't know how realistic it is for some companies to hold on to these almost finished products for months and months and months and not get them out the door. I feel like that may hurt them more. Um, in the case of CD Projekt Red, they very well may not delay it because by the time it comes out in September as it's supposed to, that's also where it's been said that things in the world will start to settle down. We do hope it happens in the summer. I have not read on this, so don't take it for a fact, and I don't want to focus on it too much because I know... These podcasts are good takeaways, but just know I, I I have heard people say that like when it comes to intense heat or heat in general, uh, the virus doesn't last long and that maybe during the summer there will be this period of breathing where we can go back to our normal lives and maybe that would be good. And if that is the case, a lot of these games can pick development back up so that come September, maybe we'll have some time back at home where we have to social distance once more as we work on a vaccine or or a cure i think more so treatment would be the more realistic option to gradually get rid of it kind of like a a cold you take a over-the-counter type of thing and over time it goes away um but yeah if it is actually coming out in september like it's supposed to um provided things go that way maybe it will be not as impacted but as it stands now i think cd project red is not releasing that game this year All right, Grimglade writes in and says, not sure it's too late, but with the recent surge of really good JRPGs, amen to that, it got me thinking, what is a niche genre you really would like to see a rise in popularity and quality, whether that is another regional niche or an undeserved genre? Uh, This is a good question, and immediately what came to mind was visual novels. I think Danganronpa would be a game almost anybody would love, because everybody out here, even I, who's not a huge fan of books, I do not mind mind reading them, but I'm not a huge fan of them. But um, Danganronpa is like reading a book. There is interaction. There is gameplay. You know, you, you have the trial and, and you're, you're using truth bullets. But for the most part, you are just kind of sitting back and just flipping through text. And if you're capable of reading a book and being really enjoyed by or uh, really enjoying it, rather, um, then a book with really detailed art and interactive characters and sounds should catch your attention even more. But it's just hard to sell people on a visual novel. It's like, I'll go read a book. It's like, no, it's more than that. And I would love for people to actually understand that. You know, there are so many games in that genre that are just incredible stories. Like I, the Somnium Files, I know Grimm has raved about that, saying he likes it more than Danganronpa. And I think that's crazy because I love Danganronpa to death. And I, in the, uh, I, the Somnium Files is one I would love to get to this time around. Um, as things start to slow down after Final Fantasy VII and Wastelanders, that is kind of on my radar as it stands. I, I really, really am interested in that game. Um, but yeah, there's also, uh, I think it's called, uh, what else is there? Zero Escape. 
That's one that comes to mind. Um, there's so many great ones. Uh, Steins Gate, just a lot of great visual novel series. And I don't think people give them enough of a chance when you could be captured by some of the best storytelling with cool art and sounds. And even in the case of Danganronpa, it does, as each series uh, entry goes on, plays more like a video game, which I know is like, that's a fucking video game in the first place, Maddie. But I think people need to be more open-minded to that. I would really, really think that'd be good. All right, great question. <clears throat> we got rapid-fire questions from Mike Fury. As always, we will rip right through them. Thoughts on Nier Automata coming to Game Pass as number one. Uh, this is great. The more people that can play Nier, the better. I believe they're going to get the Become as Gods edition, which means that uh, folks will get hands-on with the DLC, which is just like an arena mode. But still, more content. If you have not played Nier, you got Game Pass, you got nothing to do. Oh, please, man. Just please play it. It is it is still in my top 10 games of all time. Um, and for those who need a point of reference, I have not put a game in my top games of all time since before Nier. Uh, it was Bioshock Infinite. And so there you go. There's a there's a point of reference. Although Bioshock Infinite slid out of there for Nier, just, just so you guys know. In the last, I think Bioshock Infinite came out in 2013. I think around March. So... Since March of 2013, only two games have slid in there. <laughs> and the one that's currently sitting there is near. And I don't see that getting bumped out, quite frankly. Number two, what other games do you think will be delayed? Okay, I'm going to skip this one. We've already answered that. Um, with all this free time opening up, what new projects or skills will you be partaking in is number three. So Laylee and I talked about this on BFGFAFK. And um, <clears throat> you know, we really talked about how there's this social pressure now that you have time, you've got to do things. And it's like, well, don't overwhelm yourself too. Right? Like, well, my voice went away there. Now you can tell it's really going away. I'm like, right. Don't worry. We're almost at the end of the show. I swear my, my, and my drinking and my, will will go away soon enough. Um, but you know, I've been really, if I were to tackle anything right now, you know, I've been really invested in my work and I've been taking that creative and extra energy and, and extra time and really sinking into making better videos. I think they've been better in the terms of editing and um, enjoyment and, and segmenting them and, and continuity. And I've noticed that the view time has gone up yet again, which is really what I'm looking for. Like I want people to watch my videos and seeing that we're sitting around right now, six minutes. And I usually upload 10 plus minute videos. That makes me really happy because it means that people are staying. And I know it may sound like, don't you want them watching the whole thing? Uh, it's kind of like the law of numbers. Like not everyone's going to watch the full thing. Not everyone has time for it or interest in that topic. So to know that most people monthly are watching more than half of what I'm putting out there, that's that's really nice to see. Um, so I've been putting my energy in that, but I've been really inspired when I look at games like Persona 5 Royal, uh, when I watch like AEW, I've been really inspired to create something because I get this feeling when I'm playing or I'm watching, like as some of you guys know, I like, I would love to do indie wrestling and I'm like, man, it'd be so cool to be part of a brand like AEW. Like they just look like they have a good time. I listen to a lot of podcasts with their, with their talent and, and some of the people who help run that show. And it sounds like they just genuinely have fun. And that seems to be rare outside of that company in wrestling. And uh, it just looks enjoyable. And when I look at persona five and I look at the art the menus, the music, the gameplay, the characters, the writing. I'm just like, I would love to be a part of or create something special like that. And and my I have like this one 
golden idea that I wouldn't want to share. And I say golden idea. It's like a remake of an old game, but in like 8-bit. Uh, and it's a game that I really like. And I would just love to do that just to rework a game. That's kind of like my idea because I wouldn't make money off of it. I can't take someone else's property and make money on it. But it would just be really cool to do that and, and get some attention for that. I would love to create something that excites or in, informs or gets people feeling the way I feel when I see something creatively interesting or fun or cool. That would be that would be what I want. Um, you know, when it comes to skills, I'm not a fan of like art, drawing, um, I guess, you know, like I've been honing my craft more. So I feel like my videos have become a little bit better because of all this extra time. Um, I've been like working on my thumbnails a little bit more when I'm doing not the, um, the, the template that you guys usually see. Um, you know, I try to switch it up a little bit and, try you know like you look at my reviewing the reviews for doom eternal that video did pretty well and i think part of it is because not only the content was solid but it was a different style of thumbnail and it kind of painted a picture in people's heads of of what the video would be about and so i've been trying to just take this time to hone my craft but i would love to you know a lot of my hobbies are like martial arts i'm no longer in that because i didn't have the money for it hockey can't go play ice hockey now um, I could just shoot on a net outside, but there's a difference between shooting standing still and shooting while in motion. Completely different, actually, because you can just shift your weight a lot easier when you're not moving, where when you're moving, there's a lot of balancing acts and stuff. Um, so another thing I've really thought about is creating like a product. Like what is something I can make that the world would find interesting or hasn't been made yet? So that's an idea I've been tinkering with. Another one that I've been interested in is writing writing a book or I have a good book idea. Um, one that I do plan on pursuing down the line, whether it's successful or not, we'll see. Um, uh, but also, um, I would love to make, uh, like a story, something, something that excites people or people find useful. I guess I find validation in that. <clears throat> Number four, is the review coming for trails of cold steel? If no, then give me your thoughts on the game. Cause I'm trying to get into it. Um, I have, see, that's, a, that's part of my problem, right? Like this is a niche game doesn't have a lot of attention and probably as i say this out loud i will change my mind but i had this idea to because the fourth entry of trails of cold steel is going to be the last one that's what i read and i have only played 25 hours of the first one and i really like really miss it you know i've been playing persona 5 roll i've been loving it but i know what persona 5 is and I'm, i'm just excited about the new content there but i really really want to get through trails of cold steel and i was thinking like Maybe I'll sit down and just play one, two, three, and then make this gigantic project talking about them completely. Like how each one's, where they stand and what do they bring? What do they introduce? But then I thought, you know, it would be more beneficial, not only for exposing the series more, but, you know, probably just my workload and, and the, and the investment of time versus the, the reception and the, and the building of the video would probably be to just play and finish the first game and just make kind of one of those, like the RPG that no one's talking about style video that I've made multiple times since like vampire. Um, that would probably be more realistic. So I'm not going to talk about it too much more because I do have projects in mind for it and you will see it sometime this year. All right. Kylan521 with the last question. If you can wipe one video game from your mind and play it again, what game would that be? Hope you're staying safe and healthy. Thank you once again. I appreciate all of you wishing to uh, 
sending me well wishes, and uh, I send them in return. Uh, so one game I could wipe from my mind and play again. I'm gonna take Kotor out of the answer, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Persona Four Golden. Um, I was gonna say Fallout Three when I first saw this question, but I'm gonna say Persona Four Golden because with that game I had a really interesting experience. So what happened with that title was I played it and I got. I got a specific ending where it was not the real ending. Let's just say, and I'm not talking about the golden ending. I'm talking about like, I didn't get the, the normal persona Four ending. I walked away with what's called the bad ending. And I loved the game. I like raved about how good persona four was for so long. And then before persona five came out, I was like, I'm going to play every persona game leading into that. So I played, I should say ones I liked. I'm not too interested in one and two. Maybe one time I will go back to them, but I played three. I beat that. And then I played four and I beat that. Uh, But what happened in four golden is I actually got the real ending. So I got to see Maria's dungeon. I got to see all this new story. I got to see the snow trip, like stuff. I did not even know like snowflakes playing while it rain, while it snowed in Inaba. I was like, dude, I missed all of this. And it was, I could cry thinking about it. Like it was such a special time. I was like this game that I already loved. I I missed 30 hours of content. And now I just sing to the high heavens about how great that game is. Because I was like, I loved it at its bad ending. And I've seen some, there's also like the accomplice ending. There's, there's other endings you can get. I'm not talking about bad ending. Like I, I got the ending where I got the, the killer wrong and it just, you know, you go home after that and that's it. I was like, that was a great game. Like 55 hours. Awesome. Oh man, boy, was I wrong. So yeah, that would be my answer, Kylan. And, uh, with that, we wrap up all of our questions for, uh, this week. And I just got to say, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I really appreciate you guys. I really, really do. Um, you know, man, it, it has been a really tough week, as I said in the introduction. And I'm just very blessed that even if I don't have like the biggest channel, um, I don't have like the most explosive viewership. I'm proud of what I've built here. And I think we are doing well and we're building into something special. But I'm just happy that I have such an amazing community. Because I think back to, to Fallout 4, and there was just some really toxic people that during that year where my channel was growing, I interacted with. And not all of them were bad, but it was just a really anxious time in my life. And part of that was from some of the people I ended up meeting through the platform and interacting with on the platform. And it was just really tough. And to, to sort of weed that out, that negative energy, that's so hard to do. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like everyone's perfect. But like to weed out that negative energy and create like a true community for the podcast, for my discord on Patreon, for Twitter, and to just connect. Um, That's more valuable than anything, really. It is. And that's why I don't sweat the numbers because I know if I had to go get like a full-time job, um, like I'd still do this. I shouldn't say full-time job. This is my full-time job. But you guys get what I'm saying. Outside of creating content, I would still do this because... I just love to to connect with other gamers and and I feel I feel your passion and it, it's what gets me over these humps 
and these tough times in life um, where I just, you know, I work really hard and, and just, you know, the, not to the point where I make myself sick or anything. I do give myself relaxation time. Like I take weekends off, but, um, you know, it, you guys make it worthwhile. So what I'm saying, so thank you so much for staying tuned for episode 246 of the ham radio podcast. Hopefully I made this worth your while on my own. I really appreciate once again, each and every single one of you, and we will catch you guys with juice head next week on episode 247. And headlining that will more than likely be us talking about Wastelanders and what we hope to see from that, unless news changes and maybe it gets delayed again. Who knows? We can't read the future, and it's a crazy world right now. So I'm going to go get something to drink and rest my throat for the rest of the night. I'll talk with all of you soon. Stay sexy, stay active. I love you all. Peace. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. 